Hey guys, this is Paige Bierman, and you're listening to the Redeemed Women podcast. I'm really excited for you guys to hear from Chase Marshburn. Um, Chase is on staff here at Redeemer. She attends Beeson Divinity School, and she serves alongside Craig Millard in our college ministry. Um, Chase shares a lot about her story and her upbringing and coming to know the Lord. And um, I was just so incredibly encouraged in how faithful the Lord was and still is um, in her walk. Um, One of the things that she and I talk a lot about is just this idea of doubt and questioning and really wrestling with the scriptures and wrestling in your faith. And I know for so many of us, those seasons have definitely come. And so I think Chase is just a real encouragement of staying in the scriptures and staying in community and how um, that that questioning has really produced a lot of fruit in her life. And so I hope that you find it encouraging. And um, yeah, Chase is just amazing. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Chase Marshburn. Hey, I am here with Chase Marshburn, who is our college ministry coordinator. And um, I'm really excited, Chase, to talk to you today because I just think you have so much, um, so much to offer. Um, You're in seminary. You became a member when you're in college. Mm -hmm. So you've been at Redeemer for a while. Um, But just knowing you and knowing your story, Mm -hmm. I think so many people are going to resonate with this. So I'm really excited to yeah. really dive in. So say yeah, hey to thanks everybody. Thanks for having me. I'm pumped to be here. And I don't know. I'm so glad that you've been able to start this podcast because I know this has been on your heart for a while. And I don't know. I always go to you for podcast suggestions. So it's like, <laughs> I love that now like you're doing this because people are always like, Chase, what should I listen to? And I'm like, text this number and ask Paige. That's like true. So, That's really yeah. true. I have told many a college many. girls that I don't <laughs> yeah. know what they should listen to. Um so before we um, really get into some of the ins and outs, mm-hmm. um, will you just kind of introduce us to you yeah. for people who might not already know you? Yeah. Um, well, I am Chase. I am a seminary student at Beeson Divinity, getting my MDiv right now. I'm originally from the Carolinas and moved to Birmingham, um, I guess like five or six years ago. I don't even know how long ago. To go to Stanford. Um, to go to Stanford for undergrad. And so... Been at Sanford for a while now. I'm in my second year at Beeson and um, came on staff with the church about three months before I started um, school, two months before I started school. Um, so I've been serving as the college ministry coordinator. Um, yeah, I guess for a year and a half now. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's a little bit about where I'm at now, I guess. But yeah, been at the church. I joined Redeemer when I was a sophomore in college. Um, was that and before or after the big college boom? That was... <laughs> or was it during think, the college boom? I think that was boom? like right before the boom happened, but it was slowly starting to happen. Did we I, have a college minister at that time? So that was when Matt came on. Matt so when I was on. a freshman, Matt was still um, with CO and okay. I got to know him a little bit. I don't even remember how. I guess I would just see him hanging out on campus with students. And I went to CO a couple of times when I was a freshman and... Um, got to know him, started getting plugged into Redeemer about a month or two after I moved to Birmingham. Okay. Um, so I've really been here, like as long as I've been in Birmingham, Redeemer's been a part of that story for me. Um, That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Like far be it. I don't know. I feel like I need to um, like make sure anyone who understands when I say mm. the college boom, I mean, <laughs> it was for real a boom, but also yeah. like what an immense blessing. Yeah. Like we have so mm-hmm. many faithful members mm. who started coming here yeah. because college students, mm-hmm. I don't know, found out about us. I yeah, don't know I what happened, know, but I'm so thankful. <laughs> yeah. My like roommate freshman year, we were just church hopping for the first couple of weeks of school and um, it was like a Saturday night and she asked where I was going the next morning and I didn't know. And she was like, I think I'm going to try out Redeemer. And so we went and, um, that was before like any of the renovation projects that happened mm-hmm. at the church, the like, red the carpet, that was red carpet, the like paint was chipping off the ceiling and there was maybe 20 or 30 of us students there. Yeah. Um, and I remember there was a handful of older girls that I had known on campus who were at the church and I really respected those girls and so like looked up to them as I started coming and I don't know just 
didn't really look back. The Lord answered a lot of prayers um, that I had had about finding a church really quickly in Redeemer. And that was just kind of a huge piece of like faithfulness, tangible faithfulness that I experienced pretty soon after moving here. And so had a lot of clarity pretty early on that this is where I was called to be. And yeah, I, that was, yeah, my the next year I joined was baptized here and Matt joined or started the college ministry and so right I've been that. Yeah. part of the college ministry since day one which has been really sweet to like grow up through it and into it and with it and like now to be and serving now, yeah, what served in. me um yeah it's just been a really cool I like would not have imagined this is what my life would look like when I started college but it's sweet to look back and see how most people have no clue (laughs) what their life is going to look like when they start college yeah um yeah so my favorite story about you is (laughs) when you first started or when you first joined I remember Mm -hmm. placing you into a home group yeah and the home group leader was someone that I knew and they had said look we really need some more guys in our group we need (laughs) you know some single men Mm. and so I'm like I got Got you girl I got you (laughs) And so you were one of mm-hmm. the um, single men that I sent to her group, <laughs> yeah. and she emailed me back and was like, so I sent this list of names out, and we did some Facebook stalking, and turns out Chase is a girl. <laughs> yeah, I get lots of letters for a Mr. Chase Marshburn, uh-huh. so. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm just so pleased and thankful that you are, in fact, not a man, yes. um, and that <laughs> that it all worked out it yeah, all worked out, it all worked out. Um, you ended hilarious. up where you need to be yeah. and it was great um but <laughs> i try to be much more thorough yeah. nowadays i have to introduce myself if i'm like on email uh-huh. or online or over the phone even with uh, my name is chase elizabeth and uh, okay. so that people know okay yeah it's a girl not a guy so <laughs> that's um, awesome that was completely beside the point but <laughs> just a fun story good point though I always forget that you've told me that a couple times so that's so fun <laughs> well and I use it all the time like yeah. I tell people like it's like hey no, I'm doing the best I can yeah. like you know but um once again totally beside the point but um I'd really like to know just how you came to know the Lord so yeah. you know obviously you were looking for a church when mm-hmm. you came to college so I'm guessing you knew him yeah. before then so yeah. how did that faith begin what's that story yeah um so i yeah i grew up in a christian home and so i'm really really grateful and just thankful that i can say that i don't remember a day without knowing the name of jesus um i don't remember a day when wasn't prayed over by my parents or was in the word to some capacity whether i was being read it or if i was reading it myself and i don't remember ever not being in the church and so um it's been a sweet part of my legacy and just like looking at the pattern of um spiritual leadership in my family looking at my parents who love the lord my grandparents who love the lord and seeing that legacy handed down and so never knew a day without jesus i um you know prayed the prayer when i was little um way too little to understand what i was saying or doing but um yeah, I just grew up into a faith through my parents and really started wrestling with the scriptures from an early age. I really like attribute that to the Holy Spirit and just such a testament to the role of the Holy Spirit um, in the work of his people before they're even really, really there yet. Because mm-hmm. um, I guess, I don't know, I love to read, studied English, like reading has always been such a big part of who I am. And so I started just reading the scriptures when I was like in kindergarten or first grade yeah just like pouring over it and a lot of that was just love of reading and wanting to know Jesus but a lot of it was out of a place of fear and just not Mm -hmm. really just trying to really understand what was the essence of what this book was telling me um so even though I was claiming Christ I really was wrestling with from a young age um what it was to really know him um which ended up becoming just a pattern throughout my life this difference between knowing about God and knowing God himself, um, being acquainted in relationship with him. So yeah, I would say known him for forever, but have seen like a gradual, like tug of the spirit towards his word and towards truth from the time I was young. And that ebbed and flowed so much throughout like elementary, middle, high school. And I would say I really, um, 
really when I came to Redeemer was when I was able to finally settle into that knowing Jesus himself Mm -hmm. and rather than just idolizing this like knowledge about because so much of my faith growing up was grappling with faith and really struggling with faith. And that verse that talks about working out your faith with fear and trembling was such a part of my story because I um, really struggled to understand this concept of faith that is talked about in Hebrews 11. And that's um, what we hold to. And when I was little, struggled to even believe that God existed because mm-hmm. couldn't see him. When I was seven, I was like, why can't I see him? Like, does he not love me if I can't see him? And he slowly revealed himself to me. And I'm really thankful for that. Yeah. And then it was about middle school, I think, when I really started wrestling with this concept of, okay, I believe that scripture is true. Like the Holy Spirit's worked that in me. And like, I know him and I see him and I believe that he exists and that he is good, but how can I know that I am, that I am truly in him and Mm. grew up in a um, pretty fundamentalist Presbyterian background. Um, My parents wouldn't say that our family was Presbyterian, but we just always landed at Presbyterian churches. Um, So very like heavy Calvinist um, Presbyterian background, which is where I land now, but it took me a long time to be peaceful about that. Mm -hmm. But um, I think a lot of that contributed to like really working out faith and understanding and wrestling with this. Um, how do I know that I'm saved? How can I rest in my salvation, rest in my identity of Christ in Christ? And that was, um, yeah, something that was worked out over a long period of time in middle and high school. And really it wasn't until I came to Redeemer when I was able to rest in this the not knowing and to rest in, okay, the Lord is bigger than me and I don't have to understand everything and I can just believe even if I don't understand all things. I don't know if that makes sense, mm-hmm. but um, mm-hmm. it does. The resting in the question was something that kept me from really loving the Lord until I got mm-hmm. to, really until I got here um, about five or six years ago. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I have like so many thoughts. One, <laughs> I think you were quite a mature kid. <laughs> like when you said you were reading the Bible, I'm sure it was like a kid was, version. I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. that's incredible. But legitimately though, at, like as a parent, it's really encouraging mm-hmm. to hear a story like yours because what you said is literally what I pray for my kids mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. Like I pray that they don't know a day in which mm-hmm. they don't know how loved they are mm-hmm. by God. Mm-hmm. Um. And, and so it's so encouraging to hear that you yeah. had that experience because I'm like, oh, that's what I'm praying yeah. for, for both of my kids. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think, you know, in that, I mean, yeah, you had a lot of questions mm-hmm. and some doubt. Would yeah. that be fair to say? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I, yeah, definitely characterize my story with doubt and that being a huge part of yeah. something I had to work out. Um. How really did most of growing up like how did that what did that look mm-hmm. like I mean because I think especially in different parts of your story yeah. like the questions of a kindergartner are probably different than yes. the questions of middle school or high yeah, school or college sure. you know and so mm-hmm. like how have you I have like two questions <laughs> one is where did you take those questions mm-hmm. like how how did it look like what did for I, yeah. you to wrestle um, and then two, did you see like a, a change or like a maturation mm-hmm. in how you wrestled as a 13 mm. year old versus now as an adult? Yeah. Like, what does it look like? What has been the difference between mm-hmm. what you used to do and maybe what you do now? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess I think I want to start with the second question first, yeah. more of like that chain of what those questions were. Um, when I was really little, kind of like I said, I really I have a really analytical mind Mm -hmm. and my dad is a lawyer I get a lot of like the way that he thinks and that's a lot of how I process is just having to see things to believe them really needing to like have be able to grasp something in order to Mm -hmm. accept it um to understand it in order to accept it and that isn't what faith is and so from the time I was young and reading verses as like a little person that I didn't understand really led me to doubt the existence of God I think from really young, like six, seven, eight years old. And that produced a lot of fear. Um, was it fear of like consequences? Like basically I don't want to go to hell or yeah, like, okay. Yeah. I think, I think it was a lot of that and a lot of 
just trusting my environment too. Mm-hmm. Cause I was like, okay, my parents are buying into this thing that we can't see or that we can't understand what, why can't I, why am mm-hmm. I having a hard time? And so my questions really all of my life made me feel very other, um, mm-hmm. very like, oh, what is wrong with me if I have these questions? And, um, so yeah, those questions when I was little was more just centered on the character of God and the existence of God. And, mm-hmm slowly just through like teaching that I received when I was young and time in the word and just the spirit working in me. Um, by the time I was in middle school, I really was able to accept that. Okay. Like I believe scripture. I believe that God exists, that he's real. He's revealed himself to me. This is great. I can rest in this. But then that question changed into this overarching question of how do I know that I'm in Christ and kind of this fear of like what if I think I am but I'm really not and I'll get to mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. die and I won't get to heaven and it was still kind of fueled by that same like I'm not able to accept it the way that people right. around me are and fear of hell and a lot of those things so it really turned into like playing the role and mm-hmm. uh, portraying this like great solid believer this girl who knew the word and I could quote all this scripture and talk about theology as a middle high schooler but really wrestling to like grasp it and rest in it wasn't where I was at. Um, mm-hmm. So I would take those questions um, primarily to my mom and my mom did a really great job from a young age of talking with me about the things I was wrestling with. And um, we believe very differently the way that we receive and wrestle with faith looks different. She mm-hmm. had a much more childlike faith. My brother's that way too. And my dad and I wrestle a little bit more. And so talking with her was really great because I would see like I would see the testimony of her own faith mm-hmm. but I think it caused a lot of insecurity for myself at the same time like, I, why yeah. am I not like that yes what what's wrong with me um, yeah. and I would just translate a lot of that as I'm flawed something's wrong mm. and then those questions that like I'm other I'm flawed because I can't accept at face value what I'm reading mm-hmm. translated to like oh I must not be saved and so that's where that whole like identity in Christ came and... yeah so did you feel it... alone yeah for sure um for sure because I would take those questions to my mom and she was great to wrestle with them with me and them um but there would come a point where I just like couldn't take them there anymore yeah um and a lot of the people around me, my friends around me, couldn't really relate to the questions. Mm-hmm. And so I stopped bringing questions to my peers. Um, and uh, I would take them. I was at a church that um, was awesome. They did community really well. They did fellowship and loving one another and serving one another really well. But there was a real dogmatic side to teaching in the church. And it mm-hmm. was just accept it and move on. Like, what you're taught, except move on, don't question. Questioning is sinful. Um, those were just subliminal yes. messages I was received and yeah. so, or was receiving. And so I was fearful to take questions really anywhere. So they were really internalized. Um, and I was, yeah, discipleship for me in middle and high school was um, either led by my mom or by um, my pastor at the time's wife. Um and those were just places that were I received great and sound teaching, but I just always didn't feel didn't always feel the safest to bring my questions there because yeah. they weren't answered on the terms that I needed them to be answered. So I just felt very silenced and alone mm-hmm. in that regard, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so um, honestly, it really drove me to like taking my questions to the Lord himself and a lot of like crying out and pouring over the Psalms and trying to understand like, okay, David is crying out. Like, look, I guess it's okay to cry out with questions, but what do I do when I don't feel that they're answered? So mm-hmm. that was a lot of what, what middle and yeah, high school looked like. Um, yeah. And it wasn't until Redeemer when I, I got here and finally was surrounded by a community where I was like, okay, people are asking similar questions to me. Like I'm not alone in these questions. Like girls in my dorm are asking these or started going to a church that was addressing questions from the pulpit and yeah like hearing this pattern of even Joel said it in a sermon recently like I don't understand this if you do please come talk to me and I had never heard that like oh wow like my pastor has questions Mm -hmm. like there was a 
a real like rest that came with that mm-hmm. honesty and that humility and that vulnerability, even from the pulpit and from teaching I started receiving um, in school that like, it's okay to question like having a doubt or a question doesn't denote unbelief. Um, yeah. So I think growing up for me, it was just like doubt equals lack of faith. Right. Whereas I really have come to see it now as living in doubt. Yes. Like there is a danger there because there does have to be trust in the Lord, but doubt really is a tool that I think the Lord uses to sharpen faith and the asking of questions draws us closer to the heart of the father in a lot of ways. You might not have an answer to this. I don't know, but has there been like a specific question or a specific thing that you're like, no, legitimately, I don't understand. Or like, what does this mean? And you have actually found an answer or are they Mm. more like big picture like, I think a lot of them are much more big picture. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, I know growing up, that question was the predestination question. Right, and so course. that was like the one that I really struggled with growing up. Um, and now I think those questions are more like connected to my identity and my vocation and a lot of what I'm doing mm-hmm. in seminary. And so a lot of them are much bigger question pictures. But I think like the answer to those that I was finally able to rest in when I got to school was just looking at the character of God and the character of Christ and seeing like, okay, who God is, is bigger than me. He's bigger than questions I have Mm -hmm. and he's better than questions I have. And so even like his goodness transcends my uncertainty or my doubt or my Mm -hmm. lack of understanding. And so I think the answer just became like, look to me, look to Christ and just rest there. Um, and that whole I, Psalm 46, I think, um, be still and know that I am God. My name will be exalted among the nations and knowing that like, okay, no, like glory of the Lord comes from just resting in who he is. And that was just something that really served as a pillar for me, um, mm-hmm. and a rest for me growing into my faith since I've been at Birmingham. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, you've already said it, and I'll reiterate, you're definitely not alone Yeah. in going through seasons of doubt or even prolonged, like yeah. kind of like a characterized by questions. Um, I think there are many, many people who can totally relate mm. to like having questions. Um, and so I guess what what practical advice would you give to someone? So like a girl walks in and is like, I have all these questions and I just don't know. Like, what are some like, yeah, without a doubt, this is what you need to do. And not necessarily like in giving her the answer, but just like, you know, I would imagine Mm -hmm. that one of them is, you've already kind of hinted at, like you went to God's word a lot. Yeah, You rested in his word. (laughs) Um, But is there anything else that you were like, I found that this was something Mm -hmm. really good? I think, yeah, first and foremost, the word of God. And um, I don't know, I have a lot of girls, students come to me and asking those questions and um, wrestling with doubt. And I'm thankful now that I have like spent a lot, like a majority of my life wrestling with doubt and with question and learning what it was to live in that place. And I think the first thing I often do is validate where they're at and remind mm-hmm. them like, Hey, you're, you're not alone. Like this is where I've been. This is often where I still am sometimes. And reminding them that like questions sharpen faith and the questions and doubt really are a sign of faith rather than a lack of, um, lack of faith. And so yeah, pointing them often to scripture first and foremost to scripture and the character of God and, um, like encouraging them to remain in the word and to remain, um, in prayer and sometimes to just like sit in prayer even more than the word at times, just to Mm -hmm. let like communion with the spirit, just wash over them and remind them who they are, um, in Christ. But then often encourage them to, to continue asking the questions out loud and to people around them. Cause I lived in a place for a really long time where I kept those questions inside and, I can look back now and be like, okay, I was living in a season of anxiety and I just didn't have a name for it at the time. And, um, having space to 
ask those questions or just even not even to ask them, but just to say, Hey, I'm wrestling with this question. Like, can I just like, just get that out into the open Mm -hmm. and shedding, like having that question spoken and having light shed on the question almost makes it feel smaller in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Cause when it stays inside, it just amplifies and amplifies and gets bigger and bigger. And, um, I think that asking questions and not even necessarily looking for an answer, which is hard to do to separate the question from the answer, but just to like be okay with living into that, trusting that that question is a sign of faith rather than a, rather than lack thereof. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, pointing people to stay in the church and like ask those questions within the context of church. I was thinking community has to be such a huge aspect. Yeah, for sure. And I think that was, I mean, our, don't think I know that that was a huge part of it for me in college was I got plugged into a both a home group and a college small group my sophomore year at Samford and had a small two small group leaders who really like walked with me through those questions and each week would check in about them and be praying about them and asking about them and it was just a safe place to be like okay like let's talk about the question rather than looking mm-hmm. for the answer, but maybe why, why are we even asking the question mm-hmm. in the first place? Oh, um, yeah. So having a place to talk about it and then just sticking to word and prayer in church, um, which neither of those answers are groundbreaking or original or, <laughs> but it's, <laughs> but but it's, it's good to be truth. reminded yeah. of, you know, mm-hmm. I think, you know, when I've had questions or when I've had things that I'm like, is this right? Like, is this going on? You know, like yeah. you're right in that it can get so big in my mm-hmm. head. And then when I speak it to another mm-hmm. person, it's like, yeah, sometimes almost, I don't know, this is a little, maybe this is relating. I'm not sure. But like, sometimes I think even just hearing myself say it, yeah, I can get so much it just makes from it, hearing it. Yeah. It makes a thought tangible and it yeah. like, Because when you keep it internalized, I mean, that's really a form of self-isolating and Mm self-protecting and self-preserving and learning to turn outward rather than inward with those thoughts and questions because they really can be uh, so suffocating. Um, Yeah. But just like. And you can start like imagining things in your head of like, (laughs) is this how it really is? Is that, you know. It just spirals. Yeah, yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. Um, I think. Yeah, the community aspect, yes. at least for me, when I've kind of been mm-hmm. going through things or having questions about things, yeah. being able to talk to other people. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, yeah, you're right. They might not know the answer or the answer, mm-hmm. unfortunately, sometimes isn't black or white. Yeah. And but that's the key, too, is like we don't necessarily – so much of our world is black and white, but so much isn't because our mm-hmm. minds are so limited and it's really like – dying to pride and dying to self and saying, okay, I won't mm-hmm. get it all. And I'm going to live in a gray and a question mark. And that's really like the acceptance of that was, was a huge part of it for me too. Like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm not big enough to understand everything. And that's, that's really okay. And it took me way too long to get to that realization. Yeah. But what does something like this feel like? Cause I think for the the majority of our conversation, it's been kind of cerebral, like yeah. thoughts and questions and that kind of stuff. But I think how does like, how do your like feelings and emotions play yeah. into this? Like, do you find that the times of the most doubt or questions or mm-hmm. times when like your feelings are the most whack? Like, are they, are they connected? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, how sure. does this? Okay. For sure. And yeah, I think kind of like what I said earlier too, there's a lot of self-isolation and um, that comes with those questions and that leads to loneliness and just a lot of anxiety and Mm -hmm. a lot of self-doubt and a lot of, um, just really feeling like, oh, something's wrong with me. And yeah, I, I can look back and see like seasons of questions or doubt or, um, where my vision was really clouded and where I was just really obsessing over the question rather than just resting in the truth of not knowing those moments were when I was the most fearful and the most, just felt the most alone. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I said earlier too, I'm like very analytical in the way that I think, but I'd characterize myself more of an emotional person rather mm-hmm. than an analytical person and I think Enneagram four right yeah yeah <laughs> four. so feeling is a huge part of who I am and I think a lot of my questioning made me f- 
<laughs> made me feel that my feelings were not important because I just mm. had to sort it out of my head and what I felt was secondary. Um, mm -hmm. And I mean, I think the past number of years have been a huge accepting of that side of myself and saying like, okay, I am a, um, I am very driven by emotion and by feeling and, and the learning that that's okay alongside the question. And I was in a, um, gosh, a pastoral counseling class last semester. And that class really helped me work through the way that I process the way that I think and the mm -hmm. way that my thinking and processing relates to how I feel and how all of that is wrapped up in faith. And I remember my professor asked us one day, like, okay, like feelings, feelings, emotions, or logic, um, analysis, like which is more important, which is primary. And like, all of us were like, I mean, what we think or our knowledge is more important than our emotions. And he was like, y'all, like the Lord made us equally emoting as like, as logical and hearing that spoken over me by a professor and someone who I know is walking with the Lord and someone who is a counselor in their day-to-day -day life mm -hmm. and just hearing like, okay, like I don't have to shame the feeling side yeah. of me and accepting that part of me as just as valid and just as important as, um, as the analytical side and seeing that as just as precious to the Lord and just as, totally. um, a part of his character you know, part of just too. how we made you. Just, yeah. And so a huge part of, I think, all of those questions for me growing up was accepting that mm -hmm. side of myself too, which, yeah, took, <laughs> took a minute and I yeah. still am working <laughs> through that. Um, I think one of the ways that I've heard it talked about regarding like feelings mm -hmm. is um, that you don't want to stuff them in the trunk. Yeah. But you also don't want them to drive the car. No. Like <laughs> passenger seat yes. or back seat is a great place <laughs> yeah. for the feelings. Like we acknowledge them. Mm -hmm. We see them. We're, we're attuned, yes. you know, attuned yeah. to them. But they're not driving the car. They're also not stuffed in the trunk. Mm -hmm. um, but I can't help but imagine. Now, preface, I know plenty of men who are very emotional by nature. Like yeah. plenty. <laughs> um, but stereotypically, mm -hmm. women... Yes are more in tune with our emotions. Yeah. Um, do you think, have you seen that be a strength in your walk mm -hmm. with the Lord? Because it sounds like for a long time you were like, no, I don't want this. Like, why do I feel this yeah. way? Have you seen like, even just the way that you come to the scriptures, mm -hmm. like with emotion, have you yeah. ever seen that? How has that played out? Yeah, no, truly. I mean, that, uh, yeah, that really has characterized a lot of the past couple years of really walking with the Lord and walking in faith was accepting the love of the Lord. And mm -hmm. that is deeply emotional. It's that's, that's where love resides is more in the, well, resides in both for sure, but you experience it in the emotion. And I always really struggled to and the questions that I felt growing up, those like really kept me from experiencing and feeling the love of the Lord. And I would just stuff that aside because it's like, I can't feel his love until I accept mm. him as true or accept like the knowledge of the truth. And I don't know, um, walking, walking through my faith in college, a lot of my questions turned from like this headspace to, okay, like what does it look like to worship the Lord and, and like all parts of me, um, mm -hmm. and to like have a relationship with all parts of me. And that included my heart and not just my head. And, I think like walking into that and experiencing his love and letting myself just mm -hmm. really meditate on what is the love of the Lord? Um, what is it to walk in that? Um, Cause that's the essence of the gospel in a lot of ways. Um, I don't even remember what your original question was at the time. <laughs> about but, emotion, but, but, but no, emotion, I mean, you yeah, totally hit it. Like mm -hmm. the heart and the head are so connected. Yeah, they are. You know? I think I always saw them as separate and really accepting that, no, the Lord made us with both and both to work together and yeah. independently, but together at the end of the day um, and seeing that as good and seeing those not as combative, but instead working together. Um, There's this silly song. <laughs> There's this very silly children's song. It's not silly. It's based on scripture. It's not silly, yeah. but it's, it's definitely a children's song. Good song. Um, and it's from the Rain for Roots album, which... I mean, maybe you should listen to it even if you don't have kids. But if you do have kids, I bet they'll like it. It's really sweet. But there's a song that's um, Apples Don't Grow on Pear Trees. And it's talking all about, mm -hmm. like, fruit, fruit yeah. of the Spirit. But there's this line that mm -hmm. says, 
um, the heart, oh, it's mouth. That's what it is. The heart is where the thoughts, wait, the head is where the thoughts of your heart go. Your heart is where the words of your mouth go or something like that. Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, it was, I, I, yeah, it's pretty deep for a kid's song, but yeah, it's just talking about like basically out of the overflow of your mouth, Mm -hmm. you know? And and so like the connection between like head and heart and mouth Mm -hmm. and And action and action. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm always like, dang, like I'm getting (laughs) convicted by this kid's song. Um, but one question before we kind of transition to, I want to talk some about how you discerned a call into seminary because that's interesting um (laughs) one question is I I asked you what advice you would give to someone like a student or Mm -hmm. anyone who is experiencing questions and doubts Mm -hmm. what advice would you give to someone maybe it's a parent or a bible Mm -hmm. study leader home group leader friend whatever um who has someone coming to them who have questions or who is experiencing doubt Mm -hmm. what are some like great things to do and say and maybe even on the flip side like how could things go wrong yeah Yeah. um for the one walking with someone with doubt um just be present um presence and patience in that because a lot of times like sometimes questions or doubts last for just a season um for me living in doubt looks like 13 or 14 years of my life and consistency of the person who's walking with that person (laughs) and just patience and a willingness to hear and not shame or hear and not say you're crazy for thinking that Mm -hmm. like let me let me fix it right now like a willingness to just listen and sit beside rather than let me fix Mm -hmm. or let me answer the question because a lot of times like the person with questions might know the answer but it's that computing of head to heart, um, kind of like mm-hmm. what we were just talking about. And there, yeah, that requires a lot of patience. And I think um, something I received from those around me growing up when I did have questions was when the question would still be coming up months or months later, the same question or even years later at times, sometimes there would be an exasperation or a just get over it. Like mm-hmm. you've been asking the same question for years. And that really spoke a lot like invalidating, like, okay, like I really am crazy. Like that, that was a yeah. lot of what I would receive. And I know like that was already never the felt alone <laughs> yeah. and just felt more mm-hmm. isolating. Yeah. yeah. So presence and just sitting and listening, um, and walking alongside without offering a here, like, look, this is how we get out of it. Um, often um is the most helpful while also at the same time pointing that person to scripture or to Mm -hmm. the lord and just saying like i know you don't know but rest in who you know our god to be um and just being i would say for the person walking with that person in doubt um remind them of the character of god and he is faithful he is he is sovereign he is all-knowing and all-sufficient and all-loving and pointing to the character of god is that is the answer rather than like, oh, let's, let's figure this out and fix you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's probably mm-hmm. what I would recommend just for my being on from the other your, side of that. Yeah. yeah. Just like the consistent mm-hmm. mercy yes. being shown. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I love it. Um, all right. So yeah. at some point in college, <laughs> you decided maybe I should go to seminary. Which is incredibly ironic, but yeah. <laughs> after years of having questions and yeah. doubt, you're like, mm-hmm. why not? Yeah. Advanced degree. Um, what, like, how did you even come to that conclusion? Like, yeah. Ha- was it something you always knew you wanted to do? No. Um, yeah, no. I, I studied English undergrad and really thought that that was going to lead me towards like publishing, like going into the publishing mm-hmm. world. I, had really never considered going to teaching or the academy. Um, but I really, like two weeks before I moved to Birmingham, I went on a mission trip, and that was my first time overseas um, serving the Lord. And that, like, for sure set me on a spiritual high of, like, oh, my gosh, like, want to sell everything and go overseas mm-hmm. and teach at a school in the middle of wherever, like that. <laughs> for sure a mission's high coming out of that but I really see how the Lord used seeing the global church for the first time 
and seeing like love for the Lord from people who were worshiping him in a different language than me, that really like sparked a curiosity of what is vocational ministry? What is it to pursue the Lord and to serve the Lord in my vocation and not just in, in my Sunday morning and not that Mm -hmm. that can't be done like in every field, but because that for sure, like pursuing the Lord in your vocation, regardless of whether you are a lawyer or a doctor or a school teacher or a pastor, um, Mm -hmm. we're called to serve the Lord wherever we are vocationally. But I really, really like week one of school, like from that mission trip, this whole like publishing world, like kind of thrown behind me. And I was just, Mm -hmm had my sights set on vocational ministry right away, which is funny because that was really the season where I was rest, like working out this finally like resting in faith. And so I see this like trajectory of the Lord, like having me work through so much in middle and high school, especially high school and then getting to college and um, everything just kind of switched. And mm-hmm. I um, – started processing what would it look like to go into vocational ministry. And at first I thought that would be going overseas and doing, um, overseas work. And, um, then towards the end of my freshman year, some of my friend, some of my guy friends, um, started talking about seminary as like something that they were going to do after, after their undergrad. And I was like, that sounds kind of cool. Um, (laughs) so I just started thinking about it a little bit more and, um, Worked at a camp that summer after my freshman year and had a lot of ministerial opportunities to teach um, and to lead Bible studies to younger girls. And that was really the first time I had been able to teach the word of God to others out of a place of really loving the Lord and not just like looking at the scriptures just for knowledge, but really Mm -hmm. out of like a love and overflow of faith. Um, And so coming into sophomore year, I really started to wrestle with thought of like studying the word of God in the academy. And so I started taking religion courses, Mm. declared a religion minor and started thinking I would go into nonprofit work, use English to do content for a missions organization. Potentially Mm -hmm. I, I got to do that as an internship a couple times throughout my undergrad and wrote for different, wrote for different, um, sending aid agencies and, um, Christian organizations. But that wasn't hitting the side of relational ministry that I was also really feeling called to. Mm -hmm. So really a lot of this kind of, like I was saying, like a lot of my questions turned me inward growing up. I kind of was turned inward again, um, sophomore, sophomore, junior year of college where I was considering this idea of vocational ministry, but really wrestling with what that, what, what that looked like as a woman. And, Mm. um, do you think that's why it, Turned me inward. Turned you inward. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Because um, I was really fearful to like even express that. Because one, I was like, who am I to even consider going into this if I've like r- have the story I have and have wrestled with faith for so long? Oh, that's like, the enemy. Yeah. <laughs> just being so crafty. <laughs> for sure. And so it was one, that. And then two, oh, I'm like grew up in a fundamentalist household and I'm not a man. So what is it for me to pursue the Lord vocationally? Um if I'm a woman and really wrestling with a lot of shame of what that meant and like, how do I even work this out for myself? And so sophomore year, I guess, started talking with some friends about it a little bit. Um, but it wasn't until junior year when I really like felt firmly that through like at that point, I guess, two years of prayer and conversation with like two or three close friends, really, I was like feeling really confident that the Lord was starting to call me towards ministry. Um, and really wrestling with this idea of calling in the first place. Like, yeah. what is calling? Is it just a feeling? And it's like, no, like calling is really like where longing and desire vocationally match with your community, your church, like literally calling that. and affirming yeah. you into that ministry. And I started to receive that from different people at Redeemer um, through a lot of conversations with Lauren Starnes and Matt Fran and um, my small group leaders and um, the college ministry. And um, yeah, so started to process that and started to look at seminaries um, and was looking at different schools, but really quickly felt called to Beeson. Um, And 
maybe I could have looked more elsewhere, but Beeson really hit the things that I wanted. I was really wrestling with where I stood denominationally. I loved mm-hmm. the Beeson, um, was interdenom that they weren't affiliated with just one school of thought. Um, I loved that where I had really, where the Lord had really grown me in my faith. Um, all of majority of the teachers here came out of Beeson and I was like, mm-hmm. okay, if the men who are teaching me here and who are growing my faith through the way the Lord is allowing them to do so, like came from Beeson, I wanted to receive that same teaching. And, um, Beeson was also very welcoming of women and, mm-hmm. um, encouraging women in ministry. And so was feeling very affirmed in those ways, um, from Beeson, from my community and from my church. Um, yeah. So senior year, I guess, um, applied, got in. And that was when, um, I was offered a position here at the church and mm-hmm. it just seemed like, okay, like Things my desires have up. really matched with the calling. And, um, it's just funny, like looking back to me as like a 13 year old, I would have I like, oh, yeah. just never thought like, oh my gosh, I'll one day be getting to study the word of God in the classroom and taking that to other people. And because I just was so <laughs> in a like dark place of wrestling. with. Well, I think that all the time I told mm-hmm. someone recently, um, I was not exactly following the Lord in high yeah. school. And I was like, you should see some people's faces when mm-hmm. I went back to my 10 year reunion and told them I worked at a church. <laughs> it's like. Oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you. But also like, LOL, like, can't believe I'm here. Um, (laughs) Yeah, man. Very humbling for me. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, So is this your second year? Yeah, second year. Um, How have you, I mean, how have you experienced the Lord? Have you experienced him differently? Mm -hmm. Or have you, like, are there particular (laughs) ways that you think you've grown since going into seminary? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think because of my story with questions um, Mm -hmm. and with wrestling with knowledge of God versus just knowing Jesus, um, I was really, I was fully confident that this is what the Lord was calling me to and really peaceful and excited. But I was also fearful that being in the classroom studying the word of God would take away from my own devotion or piety or that it would become purely academic and not like like book knowledge actual relationship rather than heart knowledge because I was like oh well Lord you brought me so far in this area I don't want to revert backwards while I'm like pursuing the calling that you've given me right (laughs) and that's I was just putting um what the Lord had done in a box and not trusting him in those moments and so um I don't know, a lot of most of Beeson for me, it's like a continued theme of like, again, knowledge of versus just knowing, um, knowing him. And that's just a theme that he continues to remind me and showing me like, look like the homework that you're doing, these papers you're writing or these tests you're studying for, like, this is a part of your worship. This isn't just something to know to put in your back pocket so that you are a better teacher one day or are Mm -hmm. a better minister in whatever capacity that looks like one day. Um, and just really like really taking hold of this, like understanding of knowing Jesus is loving Jesus. And that honestly is like what I feel like the biggest thing I've been learning throughout school Mm -hmm. is, um, how knowing him and loving him really can be the same thing. And just really cementing a lot of like the work that he did in my heart throughout college that he had been doing really it's just a continued theme I feel like and it's so funny because I'm like I guess I'll always be learning the same thing Uh over Mm -hmm. over again but I think that's just testament to what a life of faith looks like is just continuing to Mm -hmm. be humbled and learning the same things but the sweetness that comes with that um yeah it's just really beautiful um so I would say that's like probably one of the biggest things I've learned at Beeson is just the, again, like choosing the love of the Lord over the knowledge of the Lord and seeing how they're connected, but how they're different. Mm-hmm. And my, yeah. my girl, Jim Wilkins says, <laughs> yes. the heart cannot love what the mind does not yeah. know. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, knowing the scriptures mm-hmm. and knowing God is vital. Yeah. For sure. But also like, Yeah. Loving God. Yeah. I feel like that's like the theme of Mm -hmm. your life in this episode is just like (laughs) 
knowing God mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. versus like knowing about God. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's different. Knowing mm-hmm. about God can lead to, I don't know, like cockiness or yeah, and I think like, boastfulness, whereas like mm-hmm. knowing God mm-hmm. leads to loving God yeah. and probably more gentleness. Mm-hmm. Um, confidence certainly in his power and everything but there's certainly a difference yeah yeah i think it's um augustine talks about ordering our loves and how Mm. our loves in our like flesh and in our sin can be disordered and that that's our state before we know christ and knowing christ he rightly orders our loves and Mm -hmm. our first love would be him and so much of me growing up had been wrongly ordering my loves and just saying like okay like head knowledge about scripture it's more and more important than like just walking with jesus and i think like that how are my loves ordered are they ordered rightly are they ordered in a way that's pleasing to the lord rather than pleasing to self um it's just been a continued theme and a really sweet thing to rest in but hard mm-hmm. to wrestle with at mm-hmm. the same time so chase Thanks so much for like being vulnerable and sharing this. Um, Like I said, I know this is going to meet someone, you know, I think um, there are just, there are so many women, therefore there are so many stories. Mm -hmm. And I imagine quite a few of them have stories like yours Mm -hmm. of like the questions Mm -hmm. and what do I do with them? And does that mean I don't have faith and Mm -hmm. I think you have just helped so much in just sharing what the Lord has done in your life. So I'm so thankful. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me here. Of course. Of course. I feel like I could ask you a trillion questions (laughs) and we could go into a bunch of different things. But we want to do on a daily basis. I know, I know. It's like, (laughs) hey, so I read this article. Let's discuss. Um, Yeah. (laughs) No, but for real, thanks so much. And um, who knows? Maybe you'll be back and just share about other stuff one day (laughs) like who knows love that thanks Uh, for having me this has been really fun i've loved it yay bye